Why the cannibalism? That was, that was another step. Uh, it, it made me feel like they were a permanent part of me. Besides, besides the just mere curiosity of what it would be like, it made them feel that they were a part of me, and it, it gave me a, a sexual uh, uh, satisfaction to do that. <laughs> listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Second run. Yes, you listen to the sick or not. The sick and wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm your host, D. Simon. I'm Harrison. Harrison, I think I work with a serial killer. You do? I think so. Have you have you ever suspected anyone in 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 an office environment that you've worked in as having some kind of like alter serial killer ego or something? Uh, one time, but I think that's just because the guy wore um, tucked in t-shirts. Ooh, that yeah. that's definitely an aspect of a serial killer, or mm-hmm. maybe like a pederast or something. But now this guy, I think this guy is potentially psychotic he's very mild-mannered he works mm. um not on my team but on, on the it team very mild-mannered guy white guy probably early 30s nondescript wears like polo shirts you know and uh just kind of like light blue jeans kind of like dad jeans sort of they're not fitted they're not drain pipes like the kinds like, that i wear like normcore He's normcore jeans. Yeah. I would say he's normcore. You know, as a matter of fact, he kind of looks a little bit like Wackerly, who also, if I worked with Wackerly and I didn't know him, I think he would potentially be a serial killer. Yeah, because Wackerly kind of looks like that, like a little bit like Dahmer, kind of. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this guy, um, I be, I'm friendly with him. I talk to him in the kitchen, you know, because we work together. After sometimes he has to do some development work for me. So uh, he was telling me he was dating this girl for a little while. And uh, they had kind of a bad breakup. She was, she was a bit possessive, younger, like uh, 21. And this guy's like probably 32, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had like... Uh, like and so he had... chained her up in, a re- in an old refrigerator and buried it? Well, Is that where you're going with this? I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's, he's not that overtly of a serial oh, killer. He's not like oh, that okay. overt of a oh, serial okay. killer. He's not like a blatant serial killer like that. That's like beat, you, beat yourself over the head with serial killer clues. No, this, I'm reading between the lines. And then he's like, anyway, working hard or hardly working? All right, talk to you later. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm reading between the lines here. There's some subtlety right. in this story. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the dude was telling me that his girlfriend, when they were dating for his birthday bought him a blanket, like one of those custom printed blankets of a picture of a selfie that they took on a bridge. So it's like <laughs> this huge blanket of her, and she was a big girl, and this guy's a pretty thin guy. And so it's just like this picture of this big Mexican girl with this kind of thin, dorky, normcore looking white guy on a bridge with a selfie, and like she's holding the camera up. And she liked the picture so much that she blew it up on like a queen-sized blanket. And made it wow. for him. And they had to keep it on the bed or she'd be very upset. And so he was just like, you know, the whole time they're dating. And he didn't even know what to say. He's like, oh, that's great. I got a blanket. 
I, you know, personally, I've never had a girlfriend that's ever done anything like that. I think I would, I'm outspoken enough to be like, that's hideous. You know, I appreciate the gesture, but it's hideous and it's going in the closet. Mm. But I don't know. He didn't, do, have you ever had a girlfriend do something like that? No. You know, we have a friend who does that for her boyfriends. I think, I think, uh, yes, you, yes, yes, I think yes, you know who I'm referring to. Yeah. She actually made a picture of herself on a pair of high top sneakers that he had <sighs> to wear around. Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. So this guy had this big ass fucking blanket of the two of them, or whatever. Anyway, they, they ended up breaking up. I think finally he couldn't take her, her, she just would freak out on him and she was just really domineering. And finally he was like, I've had enough. And they broke up. And, it, and when she was grabbing her shit out of his house, he was like, here, you can have the blanket. She was like, no, this blanket's yours. You'll always mm. remember me with it. And just kind of left the blanket there. And so he didn't know what to do with the blanket. What's the blanket that's like, <clears throat> it's like a blanket, but it's also got arms. It's like a slanket or it's like a <laughs> blinky or <laughs> no, something. Wait, wait, a snuggy. Snuggy, Snuggie, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a blinky. <laughs> blinky. That's like something Michael Jackson would name his kid. What's a um, slanket then? I don't know. Is I'm, that a I'm thinking that's just something that's in your suitcase. Okay. Covered in, in semen or something. I don't know. Blood. Uh, bloody semen. Anyway. It sounds like one of Jizzy Jake's friends. <laughs> yeah, it's a slanket is probably one of Jizzy Jake's friends. So this is just a typical blanket like that you can get things custom printed. Or you can get a custom printed blanket if you wanted it. And so anyway, when they broke up, he just kind of put it in the closet because he didn't know what to do with it. And I remember at the time he was telling me, he's like, what do you think I should do? And I was like, I think you should... That should be your white elephant gift for Christmas, because that would be hilarious. That like would if be you great. open it up and you got a blanket of yeah. like this dude and his ex girlfriend, he's like, "No way, There's, I'm never going to do that." And I was like, "You can give it to me." He's like, "I'm not. No, I'm not going to give it to you." Dude, would you love that? Why don't he? He could send it to Blanket Jackson. Oh, he could send it to Blanket Jackson. Yeah, but I mean, if you had a blanket, I mean, he'll be president one day. <laughs> Probably, so, I'm, I'd vote for him over Trump. But if uh, if you had a blanket of your coworker and his fat girlfriend, would you? I would wear it every day at work. Put it over my legs when it's cold in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't do it anyway. So uh, it was just kind of sitting in his closet. You know, fast forward a year and a half later, he ends up meeting this new girl, and now he's kind of getting serious with this girl. She's she doesn't move, she hasn't moved in there, but she's there like every weekend. And this girl, his new girl, opened up a drawer in his bathroom and found like a box of tampons that belonged mm-hmm. to his ex. Yep. And she kind of she wasn't she didn't freak out, but she was really concerned. She's like, well, why wouldn't you? Why would you keep this? And he's like, oh, I didn't even know it was there, blah, 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 whatever. So anyway. That has happened to me so many times. What do you say, though? Do you just like, oh, I didn't even think about I'm it. I'm like, have you met me? Yeah. You might notice there's four toothbrushes. You know what I mean? I don't, ca- I don't take things away. I just leave things if, unless they're like a huge, in the, hugely in the way. I don't care. I leave things as they are. Would you, you have know? continued using the blanket with you and your fat ex-girlfriend? I probably would have thrown that out because it sounds really just stupid and awful. Um, well, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't want it. So anyway, what yeah. happened after she found the tampons, he was like, mm. shit, she can't go mm. in the closet and find the blanket because she's going to freak out mm. if she sees the blanket of him mm. and his fat girlfriend. So then mm. he was he was like trying to figure out what to do about it. And he's like, I was thinking of just throwing it out. But then he was worried that a homeless guy would find it and then just wear it around the neighborhood. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they would be like at Starbucks yeah. or something, come out and there's a homeless guy with a blanket wrapped around of him and, you know, and her. And I, and I, once again, when he mentioned this to me, I was like, you could give it to me. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm. Cause you'll, you'll probably wear it around her. Mm. I was like, I probably would. Cause it'd be funny. Um, so then he was like, I, you know, and then I was thinking maybe I should burn it, but that's, he was like, that's too dramatic. So what he ended up doing is that he tried to is cut calling it. his ex-girlfriend and she sewed him up inside of it and burned it. That, that would have been a, that would have been a good mm. idea. Okay. Um, that wouldn't have been dramatic. So mm. what he ended up doing, he's trying to cut it up with scissors to throw mm. it away, but he couldn't mm. cut it up with scissors. So he told me he took like a, a, a steak knife and just mm. tore it to shreds. Like in the garage mm. of his like apartment building, mm. and then threw the shreds in like a garbage disposal or in the in the in the trash can. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like, "That's the only thing I th- could think of to do with it." And I was like, "That's fucking weird. That's weird." I don't think it's that weird to cut it into shreds with a fucking. Kni- Why would he you try to scissor? What do What do you want? I would just what? throw it away. That's where you. I thought there was. Like, I, you am do not, I do not approve of the payoff of this story. I'm sorry. I, 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 I have say, to formally protest. I'm just Where do saying I fill my form out? I think this guy uh-huh. is a potential serial killer. And this is just like, just to even have that thought to like go into his garage instead of just like throwing it away or, get, or calling the girl and be like, here, do you want your fucking blanket back? Take it. I don't want it. D, in the future, I ask that you uh, clear all intro to the intro stories with me. That will never okay. happen, <laughs> just to let you know. But anyway, I was like, looking at this guy, and I'm just thinking, that's fucking weird. I think this dude, he's a quiet, mild-mannered guy, you know, very normcore, very unassuming. I think he's the type that could just lose it and just stab you 30 times in the neck. Okay. All right. He seemed to be like that. So anyway, made me think of the, uh, our interview subject who we're going to interview today. Which I have to say thank you to uh, Ray on Facebook for that. You know, it's not often that you get uh, fans right in with suggestions of people who we could interview. Mm. How often does that ever happen? It happens sometimes, but it's always like stupid, you know? Or it's it's like, yeah, it's like people like, you should interview one of the ICP guys. It's like, I'm not going to do that. You know, or or like, I remember one guy was just like... uh, you know, you should try to get like Louis C.K. on your show, and <laughs> like, how and yeah. why would we do that? Or like, you know, Gucci Berry. Yeah, exactly. he goes around the travels around the country, getting kicked in the balls. Oh, the guy that gets kicked in the balls. That guy actually yeah. has been suggested three times. <laughs> Gucci Berry has been suggested three times. I'm not even shitting you. I hate this show. Yeah. So anyway. Um, this guy, Ray, writes in, he's like, hey, do you want to interview uh, the cannibal cop, Gilberto Valle? Mm. And I was like, how, how do you... I, at first, I thought the guy was just fucking with us. Like, you should interview the cannibal cop and Louis C.K. and Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. It's like, I just didn't think about it. He's like, no, I know him. And I was like, well, how do you know him? And he didn't even answer. He goes, here's his email. I'm like, well, how, I was like, how do you know him? He contacted this guy and said, hey, my... I listen to this podcast and they, mm. they, they want to interview you yeah. and just set it all up like a producer. There you go. It was great. So Ray, That's pretty good. Yeah. Thanks for saying that up. I didn't even think it was serious. I was like, sure. Cause I, I would love to interview that guy. Yeah. I mean, cannibal cop. I didn't even think about it. And so, uh, yeah. So I sent him an email 
And uh, the guy was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be on the show, you know, come on the show. And he's an interesting case. Because yeah, you ever, you watch the like documentary uh, about him? Thought Crime, the one, the yeah, HBO yeah. documentary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've read like, you've heard like the stuff he used to write on that website. Uh, all the uh, fantasies dude because uh, it's wh- like wh- what was his name on it? it was like girl meat corpse or something or girl yeah. meat 69 or, <laughs> i forget what it was yeah. something like that and it's like because it's like uh, i don't know man it's a weird it's it's a tricky case because like yeah he didn't really do anything but it's like the stuff he would write you know because it would be like oh we kidnap a girl and then you know torture and then like cook her alive in a thing you know like yeah, if like you took all oven yeah, like all the stuff that, like, if you actually like filmed all that stuff realistically and then showed it to Charles Manson, I feel like he'd vomit. <laughs> you know, I honestly do. I really do. Well, the um, thing is, it's like, yeah, I think this guy could probably could have gotten away with it if he didn't mm. personally know these victims that they're talking about. Like, he used names, he used pictures yeah. of people yeah. that he knows personally, mm. mm-hmm. and I think that definitely uh, crossed the line. And and freaked his wife out, right? You know, I mean, could you imagine? Like, you know, hmm. first of all, like women freak out if you're like looking at Pornhub hmm. on Google. I couldn't imagine if a woman like hmm. went on then you're like at like CannibalLust.com and you're talking to fucking weirdos in Pakistan about like you know hmm. spit roasting your wife. Yeah, it's like why do you have three toothbrushes? <laughs> it's like Sherlock Holmes over here, miss you know, misobservant. <laughs> Looking at stuff. Always looking at stuff, you know? But Jesus. that's that's the thing. It's like, yeah. and so, you know, she freaks out understandably. And, uh, yeah, next thing you know, he's he's in prison for life for this thing. But I think that what it comes down to, what's the line between fantasy and crime? So uh, let, let's give him a call and talk about it. Very interesting guy with an interesting story. So uh, here's the interview we did with uh, Gilberto Valle, the Campbell cop. Hello. Hey, uh, Gil, it's uh, D. Simon and Harrison here from Sick and Wrong. How's it going? Hey. How you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Um, yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Gil, you mentioned you're working from 9 to 5. What, what do you do for work these days? I work at a construction company, um, office-type stuff. Uh, the president of the company knew me from before the criminal case happened. So uh, when, I, when I was, you know, everything wrapped up and I was exonerated, I needed a job and he really uh, helped me out, helped me get back into the swing of things. Yeah, it's like uh, just a, um, you know, sitting at a desk. Yeah, yeah. yeah that works. Yes, I was wondering if you were, uh, you know, still working for the NYPD or if can you be employed as a cop in another state? You know, my record's completely clean, so theoretically, I I should be able to. If I'm not, it would be uh, discrimination, I suppose. But uh, realistically, I don't think it would work, just because of my background and uh, you know, someone's gonna call nine one one and have the cannibal cop show up at the door. <laughs> I, I just don't. I, I just think it's kind of yeah, probably not gonna know, probably not gonna work out. And I'm, sort of at peace with it i know my family's thrilled that i'm not a police officer anymore especially in new york city but so you still live in new york um, have you been able to shake that reputation or the nickname cannibal cop uh not so much it's never gonna leave me and i've chosen to um write books now you know i'm writing horror novels so you know with that that stigma is going to kind of 
stick with me and that's my choice. You know, I just kind of don't think it's ever going to go away. So I have to uh, make the most out of a really horrible situation. When you uh, get a name. You know, one... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. When you get a name like that, like, um, do you automatically get an honorary membership in like Batman's rogues gallery or something? <laughs> like how, how does that work exactly? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, know me as that not so much as the regular guy who had a normal american upbringing you know mm. baseball player straight a student dean's list in college uh you know so i get requests for you know some interesting things you know a couple of like dating games on a, you know, a couple of podcasts it's just kind of it's funny you know um, I always appreciate people willing to joke around. I'd rather have people joke around and make fun of me than be afraid of me. And it seems like for the most part, that's the case. You know, there are still people and I completely understand it who want nothing to do with me or afraid of me. And they think that would, uh, you know, hurt somebody. Is um, the cannibalism fetish different than Vore? Like, what is the difference? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Right. I think Vore is more like uh, cartoony uh, kind mm. of stuff. But, yeah, mm. I mean, they're under the same sort of uh, thing. Seems like they're in the same genre of fetish. Yeah, so exactly. what about, so you mentioned uh, with dating, is it difficult to date? I mean, do you, like, usually tell the girls right up front? Like, oh, hey, by the way, um, I have this nickname you might hear, Cannibal Cop. Yeah. <laughs> or like, how yeah, does that come up? That's, that's, been, that's been sort of interesting. You know, with a few years of experience under my belt now, I, I kind of decided, um, you know, to really only deal with women who know the entire situation right off the bat. So you know, I'm active on social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I've had women message me. So I think that works better. Like, I think the days of meeting women at the bar for me are over. Just because <laughs> I don't know when... I would possibly, you know, when is the best time to tell somebody about this stuff? And nobody ever really gave me a straight answer. You know, some people said you should be right up front with it. Other people said, wait till the third or fourth date. Um, so I just, I've had enough sort of volume um, where I can just have women contact me who are okay with everything and are, are comfortable around me and who are into their own real freaky kind of stuff. So it's gone it's gone better than i thought do you have groupies do you have girls that like seek you out specifically because you were the cannibal cop uh you know it kind of starts off with um women who just sort of just get the whole thing you know they have their own things they're into and, and they understand the whole fetish thing and that some people are into things that other people find repulsive so it kind of starts off that way not everyone is just sort of looking to hook up but you know th th there are a few You're curious like probably. that who are, yeah exactly um what about a uh, hate mail do you get a lot of hate mail like people emailing you and telling you to like you know saying horrible things rarely maybe out of every 20 messages i get maybe one is someone telling me i should drop dead but it's uh hey you're better than us you know whatever <laughs> Listen, like you know these people um these people who wish me dead and wish someone would come pull a bullet you know put a bullet in my head things like that like they can't grasp the irony you know the fact that my criminal case played out the way that it did they're allowed to say stuff like that without any legal ramifications so. yeah exactly 
It is ironic. Um, you know, I will yeah. say, as far as dating goes, I think since this case came out, the courtship process uh, on FetLife is just a little bit longer than it is in a Jane Austen novel. You know, yeah, people are more cautious now, so that you get you do have that to answer for there, Gil. You know, yeah, they might well, be more open-minded. Yeah, people should, yeah, people people need to be careful. People need to be safe about whatever they're into, and um, you know, I talk about this in my in my book, but mm. uh, conspiracy laws are there for a reason. You want to stop a violent crime before it happens, you know. But at what point does uh, a thought cross the line become a crime. And in my case, with the evidence that ended up coming out, there was no real world evidence. So it really was more of a thought crime than a conspiracy. But it is an important question. Like, when should law enforcement step in and get involved? And, you know, that's that's really the, like, the single critical question about this case and why it's so important. And, uh, as someone who had like a college degree and, and, you know, obviously went to the police academy, you have like more knowledge of the law than most. Like, did you give that? How much thought did you give it when you were writing your fantasies on that on dark fetish? Legal trouble never entered my mind because I wasn't committing a crime. You know, everything was purely fictional and fantasy. You know, these events quote unquote were supposed to take place in a mountain house in the middle of nowhere you know there was human-sized ovens and just all these really ridiculous fantastical elements to these role plays and stories that i just never envisioned law enforcement considering that this was a real thing now you know these fantasies centered around women that i knew in my life you know that is not atypical when people have sexual fantasies most of the time they incorporate people they know from their own lives into those fantasies they don't just whip up someone in their imagination you know you fantasize about a neighbor a co-worker your boss or whomever so although my fantasies are atypical and certainly taboo and different the fact that i incorporated women from my life that's sort of you know not unusual how do you safely realize those fantasies um, just it never crosses the line into reality. And since all of never? this, uh, I mean, like, I'm not no, saying never. obviously you eat people, but like play acting, you know, whatever yeah, like role playing. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I've had opportunities since then. Now with some of That's the women I mean. who reached out to me who are, yeah, who are into the whole, uh, hmm. thing. Right. So I'm, you know, the whole thing is, um, BDSM, right. So I'm a, yeah. I'm the D I'm the dominant. There are women who are submissive. So we, yeah, we talk about what, you know, what are hard lines? And, you know, so we uh, we do it safely. We do it uh, completely consensual. So what kind of reduction you know, sauce I, do you use to marinate a woman in? Like what? Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, Gil, yeah. one of the things. So you mentioned that you never actually took any actual steps to uh to uh realize these fantasies accomplish these fantasies however you're charged with the unauthorized use of nypd computers to get information on possible victims would that be considered a step no it wasn't a step at all and you know that's one of the crazy things about this case with a narrative that just isn't accurate out there um they charged me with using the police database one time you know that's it it wasn't a hundred it wasn't 
there's this whole narrative out there that I was using the patrol car computer, putting women's names in, taking their addresses. That, that, that never happened. There was one instance in 2012 where a woman I went to high school with had been in, uh, she was in a car accident and she had uh, asked me, and instead of calling her police precinct for the uh, report number, she called me and said, hey, can, is there any way you can get this report number for me? said, yeah, no problem. I typed her name into the computer, which I wasn't supposed to do. I mean, that's against NYPD yeah. policy, but the penalty for that's a couple of vacation yeah, yeah. days. It's not a federal crime. Yeah. So, um, you know, like cops do favors like that for people all, every day, every, every single day. I didn't do anything nefarious with that. I already knew where she lived anyway. You know, I didn't need the computer to look her up. Um, so that's just something that never really got cleared up and it's frustrating to continue to have to answer that question and deal with that. And the charge was removed. You know, um, I, I was found not guilty of that as well. So well, that's the thing. You never actually set any dates to actually abduct a woman. You never bought any of this equipment that you wrote about. So th- exactly. Th- that's why I, I don't understand how they could convict you. I mean, I, I guess I could see how prosecutors can convince a jury, but I mean, if I was on that jury, there's no way I would be like, well, I'm going to convict this guy for life in prison when you actually didn't commit any crimes. You just wrote, it's like convicting Stephen King. Yeah. Well, it, it, it turned out, it turned out the jury convicted me and a couple of the jurors did say this, that uh, they convicted me because they were afraid of what I might do in the future, not based on anything that was presented. And as you know, as I'm sure your audience knows, that's not how the criminal justice system works, right? A defendant's charged with a crime. You convict or exonerate based on what happened already in the past, not on what someone might do in the future. Um, exactly. It's not like you're not charging somebody for a thought crime. It's like minority report here. Um, <laughs> so, Gil, tell me how it all happened. You were in 2012. You were married with your child, newly married to your wife. And she was growing suspicious of your online behavior. Had you been yeah. having an affair or anything? Or were you like finally actually indulging this fetish and like, you know, reaching out to like BDS com- communities? Like, wh- why was she suspicious? Well, the entire story is in the book. We, you know, we don't have a lot of time. We really need a couple hours yeah, yeah, to yeah. get into all of it. But, um, Yeah, she had thought that I was having an affair. What happened was I worked nights. I worked from 4 p.m. to midnight. I got home after 1 in the morning. And, you know, as a cop in Harlem, you don't just go right to sleep. You're still sort of wound up. So some nights I put the TV on, I watch a movie, I had a PlayStation, whatever, Netflix. And other nights I would uh, look at, you know, look at my pornography stuff and engage in those uh, fetish role plays, fetish chats. And I was up till three, four in the morning, and she was suspicious. She thought I was maybe having an affair, so she uh, installed spyware onto the computer, and then she found what I was looking at. And did freaked she, out, she freaked out? Yeah, yeah. So, so I was wondering, she yeah, freaked out. She, and did she ask you about it before calling the FBI? Or how did that work? We talked about it. You know, that's another sort of false narrative out there, is that uh, you know she found the stuff and picked the baby up and ran out of the house with nothing but the clothes on her back that's not at all how it played out she was there that morning and afternoon for five or six hours she was uh, packing up her stuff here she said listen this is really freaking me out i, I just need to get away for a little while mm. um and yeah. her first reaction and and and, and this whole the, the the entire uh text message exchange between us is uh in the book 
um, never came out during trial because she didn't agree to have those messages of, you know, put forth in court because we're a married couple. Right. So that's like privileged stuff. Um, I wish it did because it paints a totally different picture of how it happened. You know, her first reaction was to, and this is a text message, you know, while while I'm gone, try to find a couple therapists. We'll, uh, work this out we'll work know, through we'll it, it yeah through. It'll, it'll be okay so and in the media you read it it's like she went straight to the fbi and next thing you know it's like you're in prison yeah that's not at all how it played out now when she was home out in uh nevada somebody out there convinced her to go to the fbi and once that happened there was no turning back you know they convinced her that she was seconds away from being murdered and uh you know, that was it. Like, she was not interested in anything else. Um, any other potential explanation for any of this stuff, it was, yeah. all right, they said I was going to be murdered, I was going to be murdered. Yeah. You know, and um, that's it. I haven't spoken to her since. I haven't seen my daughter since. Uh, it's just a total, complete tragedy and nightmare. Yeah, man, I'm sorry to hear about that. So do you think the reaction would have been as severe if you were not a cop? Like, if you were just a regular dude into BDSM, but not a cop, do you think the reaction would have been as severe? Probably not. I've talked about this with some people, including my lawyers, and they thought if I was just, uh, you know, if, I'm do- if, if, if I was doing what I'm doing now, right, working a nine-to-five job in an office, right, so completely harmless, probably not. But I had a gun and handcuffs, and, you know, that played into their dis- decision to arrest me. Um, you know, plus the whole idea of like a New York City police officer with these fantasies about kidnapping and cooking women plays like, into the narrative. Yeah, just definitely. such a huge, huge story. You know, you guys know about it all the way out there in California, and it just—it was national news for sure. And I completely understood that. But if I was just a regular, you know, a plumber or something like that. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. You made a lot of money for the New York Post. Yeah. (laughs) What was the reaction of your coworkers? I imagine you were immediately fired from the NYPD, but, like, what about your friends and family, I guess? Oh, well, my family stuck with me from the beginning. They never believed any of it. Um, You know, one thing when a person goes through this kind of situation, you really get to know who your true friends and family are. And I didn't hear a peep from my former coworkers of the police department, not one word. No, um, nor did my family uh, until I got out of prison. Once I was completely exonerated, people came out of the woodworks. You know, Gil, we knew from day one it was BS. We knew you were innocent. It, it, you know, I'll take that stuff with a grain of salt. I appreciate it. But yeah, if you knew it from day one, you know, how could, how could you leave my family out there in the dark? My father went to the place where I worked, the precinct where I worked the day I was arrested. And they threw him out. You know, so if you knew from the first moment that it was a, just a nonsense case, how could you treat my father that way? Exactly. So how long were you in prison before the conviction was overturned? Uh, 21 months total. Wow, it was almost, almost two years. And a lot of that, some of that was spent in solitary, I, I read as well. Um, was that at yeah, Rikers? No, this was a federal case. Uh, it was at oh. a federal uh, Was it at that one facility. in Brooklyn? That, that federal place? No, in no, 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 uh, no, lower Manhattan. Not where oh, okay. uh, El Chapo just got sentenced. Okay. <laughs> I used to live right near that one, that prison there. The yeah. Yeah. Were you more of a target being a former cop or being a dude with a weird fetish? You know, 
nobody ever got into my face over there, and that's one of the safety concerns, which is why I was in solitary confinement for seven months. They were concerned for my safety, and I was concerned for my safety, but it got to a certain point where I just couldn't deal with it anymore, so they put, you know, I asked, uh, you know, just give me a shot in general population. Let's see how it goes. If I feel threatened, if someone gets in my face, then, yeah, put me back in solitary. Fine. But the final 14 months of my that was in general population not one problem and those people there saw me as someone who was uh, railroaded someone who didn't yeah. belong there they didn't see me as a police officer they saw me as somebody who was being wrongfully prosecuted who didn't belong in prison and i had some really tough days you know because i didn't have really a date to look forward to a judge was going to make rulings on some post-trial motions but you know he didn't say it was going to be on july 17th it was like every day i woke up wondering if that was going to be the day I was going to hear something. And that was one of the toughest parts of uh, being yeah. there. But I mean, i got to say, it's got to be rough. Really, you know, yeah, it was rough, but those guys really, I mean, yeah, these are people who were real felons, you know, people facing 15, 20 years in prison who actually committed crimes. And they were just like really supported me and saw when I was having a rough day, you know, for my daughter's birthday, they baked me a cake. I mean, just really above wow. and beyond kind of stuff that, I, that I'll never forget. And he juxtaposed that with the lack of any response whatsoever uh, from the police department and people I, you know, was pretty much in war, you know, went to war with out there on the streets for almost seven years. Yeah. Really yeah. telling. Yeah, yeah, it shows people's true colors. So when did you find out that the case was overturned? And, like, what was your reaction? You must have been stoked. Yeah, well, uh, June 30th, 2014, uh, I was notified that the judge was going to make a decision later that day, but I didn't know what time. So it's kind of funny how it played out. Um, and I, I'll make this as short as like, brief as I can. Yeah. But uh, it was time to be locked in. For the night and i still hadn't heard anything so the judge still hadn't ruled by 9 30 at night we were still waiting so i was in my cell the judge ended up making a ruling at about 10 30 or 11 o'clock so basically everybody knew my family knew my lawyers knew but i was the last one to know i didn't find out till the next morning and obviously you know i was euphoric and and this is going to sound strange but you know i mean they got me out of there quickly i mean i was out of the, out the door in less than an hour that, and I that really morning? Wish I, that morning, yeah. And I, and, I, and, and I just, I really do wish that I had at least a half a day or maybe just one more day there just so I could thank everybody who was helping me out. You know, I, I, like I was rushed out of there. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to collect my mail. I didn't get a chance to say really goodbye to anybody. And I wish I had that chance because those people did really mean a lot to me while I was there. Wow. So what did you do as soon as you got out? Oh, geez. We uh, went to my lawyer's office. We popped some champagne, celebrated. Um, you know, but I wasn't really out of the woods yet. I was free, but not really free. The government was going to appeal what the trial judge did. So for uh, basically a year and a half, it was still sort of hanging over my head. Um, there was a chance that the Court of Appeals could reinstate the guilty verdict and I would be back in prison. So we didn't think that was likely, but it was possible. Um, when the Court of Appeals, uh, there was an oral argument portion of the appeal process, and they seemed to make it pretty clear that they weren't going to put me back in prison. One, one of the three judges compared my conspiracy case to a conspiracy 
involving leprechauns selling cocaine from the moon and having <laughs> eagles flying from the moon to the streets. And, you know, so Look, those leprechauns have good blow, you know. Yeah. I mean, don't knock it. All right, come on. Yeah, you know, so they – we felt pretty good that the Court of Appeals is going to uh, affirm the trial judge's ruling. Wow. I mean, ultimately, your defense attorneys proved that, you know, fantasizing about committing a crime, even a crime of horrible violence against people you know, is not an actual crime. And I think that's really important. Exactly. You know, a it's person setting. You know, a fan, you know, fantasies run the gamut. There's all kinds of no, yeah. weird stuff out there that people are into. There's one called Benjophilia that involves having sex with trees. You know, like, why couldn't I get that one? And like, people don't choose it. They just sort of it just sort of comes when you start becoming a little more sexually mature. You start realizing what arouses you, what doesn't. And it's just, uh, you know, if I could have picked, I would have picked something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I get My that. little ponies like, or something. I'm thankful, you yeah. know, I don't have something like that. It's, it's a weird thought provoking case. Um, cause the, the, especially in the documentary, uh, and it's a direct, the woman who directed, I think she also did the, the one about Michelle Carter that's out now. Which is also, yeah. you know, similarly thought-provoking, because um, it's like I don't know, in terms of like obviously, you know, I, hurting, I don't, you know, fantasies about like hurting people, you know, but I don't know if you don't do anything. Like in terms of Me Too, Aziz Ansari is more culpable, you know. Yeah. So I, it's I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, know? no, it's it's definitely yeah, a, yeah. a gray area. Again, that's the that's the real important question of the case is when should law enforcement get involved? Like if I had bought ropes and chloroform and things like that, you know, it, it, mm -hmm. the, the, does that constitute being ready to act, or is it just something to make it more titillating for my fantasy? You know what I mean? So, I mean, my answer: I love sting operations. I think sting operations really get at a person's true intent. If you're going to meet somebody is part of some kind of ruse, you know, right? Law enforcement setting up the whole thing. If you're willing to go out and meet somebody and discuss something in person, like a real plan in person with somebody, I think that's, that, that's a big, big step in that person maybe wanting to act. You never met up with any of the co-conspirators. There's a guy named Moody Blues and no. some other guys I mentioned. No, yeah, that guy, that guy lived in England. Another guy was, at, it was in Pakistan. Like, I think the most ridiculous part of this whole case, and this is when really people started to get it, was, um, you know, part of these stories and chats, we would say, you know, we're going to kidnap this girl on Tuesday, February 20th. So it came out after examining all of my chat transcripts that there was a date, February 20th, where they, I swear to God, they alleged that this was true, that mm. I was going to kidnap one girl in Ohio kidnap another one in Manhattan and then bring another girl to Pakistan all on the same day. Like get around when, 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 when that came out of court, you know, the courtroom was packed every day with media and every, you know, once that piece of information came out, everyone pretty much knew that this was just a total nonsense prosecution. And they, you know, the U S attorney's office, they tried to maintain that This was still a real conspiracy. You know, at, at, at a certain point, you just have to, you know, these are smart people. These are people who went to Harvard Law School. These are not idiots, you know? But and, I, I don't think it takes much to convince a jury. But in the end, like, no real-world steps were taken. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Um, one, one quick suggestion here in the future, I would definitely use an incognito browser. 
when uh, browsing for porn just in the future. Yeah, well, but she had you know, she. Not, you know. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not doing role plays and things like that anymore. I, I still look at pornography from time to time. I mean, you know, I'm in the privacy of my home. I can do what I want. But I'm sure there are ways to realize that with a partner that are safe for the both of you, right? There must be. Yeah, sure. And as okay. I said, yeah. maybe 20 minutes ago, yeah. yeah. I, uh, okay. I've had opportunities um, to engage in that sort of stuff. It's funny, when I went to uh, one of the sex stores around here, the first time I, was, I went to the place a couple of years ago to buy some you know, bonded stuff, and the woman at the counter recognized me right away. She's like, oh, my God, it's you. And she was so happy and, like, welcoming. And like, I was a little nervous to go in there at first. But she was like, no, like, you know, here's, like, stuff, you know, if you want to, like, inflict a little pain. But, you know, in a safe – she was, like, so cool with the whole thing. And Do you um, own the rights you know, so to, your, to the thing, to, like, the whole story? or? Yeah, not, I, uh, yeah I, I, I have – well, um, not really – the uh, my book was optioned for a movie, um, so I guess that means they have the rights now. Uh, yeah, but you get a cut of that. It's a, uh, people. I yeah, want to sure, let, yeah. let the listeners know that you do have a, a book out. It's called Raw Deal: The Untold Story of NYPD's Cannibal Cop. Um, and yeah. uh, there's also a documentary that we were talking about before called uh, Thought Crimes. Do you have anything else that we could plug, uh, Gil? What, what about your horror novels? Yeah, I have. I mean, all that stuff is on my Amazon page. If you were going to look up my uh, raw deal, you know, the memoir, you'll see the other stuff there, too. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time on that because that's really for a certain audience. I want everyone to read my memoir, but the extreme horror books are really for people who are into that kind of thing. And since you mentioned the documentary, I want to say that the documentary was a main reason for me writing a book because the documentary was extremely, extremely inaccurate. Uh, I was told it was going to be done a certain way and it ended up being something completely different. I was extremely, extremely pissed off when, uh, you know, they screened it for me. It was just, it was not an accurate representation of the case. I was extremely furious about the entire thing. I was lied to. My family, my lawyers were all lied to by that woman. Oh, wow. You know, also Michelle Carter. Yeah, no, she's, uh, what do you think about the Michelle Carter case? Uh, I haven't looked into it too much. Mm. I'm not going to watch the documentary because I'm not going to watch anything done by that. <laughs> sure. But at the scene con artist, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not interested in anything she does. I, you know, I felt honestly, uh, like after watching that documentary, I didn't think it flowed really well. It's like, it's very repetitive and she kept going over the same points. I, I mean, I obviously I don't know about the accuracy like you do, but I just thought the documentary yeah. itself didn't flow very well. Well, you know, I thought it was garbage. My, we, we were all, I mean, we were all completely just really shocked because she seemed to say all the right things and she was, seemed to be really in our corner and she was going to make clear that this was a wrongful prosecution and how I didn't belong in prison and it was just anything but, you know, she just made it like 50-50 and she said herself, she did a lot of interviews after it aired that, you know, she wanted uh, half the audience to think that I would have done something and half the audience to think that I wouldn't have done anything. And why would I agree to something yeah. like that? You know, exactly. when a documentary came out, the case is still pending. So why would I agree to do something like that, you know, to participate in something like that if she didn't tell us? And really, up until the last day, she was maintaining that act that, you know, she was completely on our corner and she was going to show how, just what an injustice this was so 
Yeah. God. But it, it but it did really push me to write the book because I, I needed my full story out there. And a documentary failed at that. Well, great. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check it out. And I recommend people go check it out. Raw Deal, The Untold Story of NYPD's Cannibal Cop. Uh, Gil, thanks for uh, being on the show, man. It was good chatting with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, very, very interesting. All right, thanks a lot. All right, thanks, guys. So I think that's kind of funny how... Uh, he had these like prison buddies who baked him a cake. <laughs> yeah. Just this, this like supportive group of, of like hardcore prisoners, like lifers. Cannibal cop and fear, fear. I feel like if there was a movie about him, like Michael McDonald would do the song. Michael McDonald would definitely You know? And then like during the scene when he's like getting the cake from his prison, it's like, thank you for being a friend. But it would be like, Michael McDonald's version of that song. Right. Um, but yeah, it's interesting though that his like actual coworkers that he worked with for years just mm. like full on turned their back on him immediately. But I that's, mean, I imagine that happening in any situation, you know? Well, think about it. Like if you're, if your buddy that you work with or whatever, anybody yeah. gets convicted of like pedophilia or something, are you going to still hang out with them? Go visit him in well, prison? Well, no, of course not. But I imagine like with people you work with, like, I imagine if it's like, you know, he's been, he's never returned a library book. They'd be like, any opportunity to shun <laughs> me, I believe. Some, yeah. People will do it, you know. <laughs> Especially if it's like people you work with where it's just like a casual, very casual relationship. Yeah, I think it's, it's just like any, anything to produce office gossip. Mm. You know, that's the thing. Um but yeah, like this this guy, I mean, if you think about it, it's as as horrible as, as it is what he wrote, you know, in the in the fantasies that he had, he never acted on it. He never bought any of the equipment. Um I mean he did you know, use a database to look up someone's name, but you know, a lot of cops do that. So right. so, so Yeah, I don't know. I mean like crime. I guess I when I first like heard about it, it was like I thought it was like misogyny based. I'm not sure about I think that anymore. I think I think honestly, I think if he was gay, he would be fantasizing about the same gay, shit with Twinkie yeah. dudes, you know. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's just fucking. I think it's like a, a short straw. He got the short thing. straw on fetishes or some shit, you know. But I mean, hey, there are chicks who are into like role playing shit like that, you know. I've met them. Yeah, me. I mean, and, so and you know what? Now he's he's kind of like yeah. got a, this notoriety yeah. thing going. So I'm sure yeah. he's. I'm sure they hit him up on Facebook. If I was yeah. him, I'd exploit it. I'd become like a mm-hmm. gangster rapper. It's weird because it's like we, you know, we look. We've all, or maybe we haven't all. I don't know. I've, I've, you know, semi inadvertently masturbated to some dark shit, you know. <laughs> but like, I don't actually personally fantasize about anything where people are hurt. You know what I mean? I so, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Well, I, don't I thought know. you were into like a little BDSM here and there. Yeah, but I don't like inflicting. You know, it's like the person has to like it. You know. Well, the one thing I don't I... want to inflict pain on motherfuckers, anybody. Well, you the know? one thing I was wondering is that the guy says he's up late at night mm. in the internet chat room looking at porn mm. and then chatting with other dudes about spit roasting, you know, women and, and mm. barbecuing them in human ovens or whatever. Do you think he has his dick out the entire time? I don't know. And is that kind of gay? 
<laughs> I just love the the guy. My favorite guy is the guy that that he talked to that was in like Germany named Moody Blues, Mister Moody Blues. And you're like, you know that guy's a fucking weirdo. Yeah, he was like in the in the picture that they had of him in the New York Post of Mister Moody Blues. He's wearing like a purple top hat, and it's just like in a dinner Jesus jacket. Christ. Yeah, he's so fucking weird. <laughs> I think once you once you cross that line of chatting with other perverts online, and you know, yes, like, I love you, <laughs> I love you, cannibal cop. But uh, yeah. I want to check out his horror novel. Well, maybe not. Have you? No, seen you don't. You, no, you don't. <laughs> you absolutely don't. <laughs> I didn't. I, I looked at like the look inside on Amazon where you get to like read an excerpt of it, and it's like it's just like real. It's like you know. T- I mean, to be honest, these days it's not that much different from like any shitty torture porn saw or something movie, you know. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like exploitative, you know, like old detective magazine stuff, but really gruesome and and violent and gory, and it's not really my thing. Yeah, it's not really my thing. Either. But uh, I don't know. He's prolific. He's got some stuff. He's probably sold more books than the two of us. So exactly. Who might a Pete Booty judge? You he's know? a pretty decent writer too, with a hell of an imagination. So anyway, is, is he? Ah, he's good. I mean, he's an imaginative guy. I don't know if you read yeah. some of the stuff he was talking about with the barbecuing and the the marinating in olive oil and all that. And the castle. Yeah, all right. I mean, if you're into yeah. cannibal cannibalistic porn, I'm sure you'd be aroused reading his literature. Right. <laughs> but anyway, people, go check out... Uh, he didn't seem to like that documentary very much, by the way. No, he didn't. He wow. didn't. But, but uh, I know very few people in that situation like the documentary about them so well I, i'm sure i'm sure like she produced a documentary probably more in accordance of what he wished and then hbo the hbo producer was like nah you gotta punch it up gonna make that, it that's saucy. what i think that's what i think because her yeah. other shit is pretty even-handed so yeah so anyway people go check out uh check out uh um gill gill's book raw deal and uh, the documentary Thought Crime, if you want to learn a little bit more about the Cannibal Cop. Uh, this episode 696 here is Sick and Wrong. We have news stories coming up next. Uh, but first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, guys, it's Steven again. Just calling from Evan through a miracle of cybernetic processes. Just to say, thanks for creating your Patreon page. I love to kick back and smoke a fat one with my boy Carl Sagan. While we listen to the extra phone calls and stories we get all the time. Anyway, talk soon. Love you. Bye. First story we have here has to do with uh, these New York sisters who abused their father for nearly two decades because they said God told them he was unfaithful to his wife. Hmm. Yeah, this, this guy lived in a veritable witch's den. But at the same time, he's got to be one of the biggest soy boy beta cucks I've ever, I've ever read about. Soy boy? I've never heard that. That's soy boy beta cuck. That's mm. what this guy is. L- listen, okay. just let me get to it. And the thing is, if you gotta, you got to picture what this guy looks like. They say he's a 71-year-old man, but the abuse has been going on for almost 20 years. And he's not yeah. a little guy. I looked at that picture of him. He's a big guy. So like that guy in the c- cartoons, it's like, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Remember, it's like yeah, a big... Yeah, the head-packed husband, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The milk um, toast. 
Three sisters from upstate New York were sentenced Tuesday to two years in prison after nearly two decades of physically and mentally abusing their elderly father, a man the trio disdained because they said God told them he was unfaithful to their mother. Yeah, two years for 20, for what? Two years for 20 years of abuse. It's kind of crazy. Whose father wasn't unfaithful to their mother, you know? Yeah, I know. Big surprise. Elisa Petrio Carlo, 41, Grace Pietro Carlo, 31, and Annabelle Pietro Carlo, 23, were each sentenced to two years in prison on an assault conviction after prosecutors said they intentionally caused physical injury to their 71-year-old father beginning in 2002. So 71 definitely sounds like an elderly man. If you're beating and punching your father at, at 71, you're an elderly guy. However, I think at 71... I'd be able to beat the shit out of three women. Do you think you could? I don't know, because I don't know what it's like to be fucking 71. You know? I, I don't know. How would I, I know mean, that? Your 71 is not that old. Through the I mean, magic of FaceApp? That's how I'll know? Yeah, if you went on you FaceApp, you'd see. Okay. Um, Elisa Pietro Carlo, known by her two sisters as The Prophet, claimed to have received several messages from God including one in which the deity indicated her father was being unfaithful to their mother, Christine Pietro Carlo, who's 66, that, who they referred to as the Queen of God. Huh. So the mother was the Queen of I God. I heard the other message was just a SpongeBob meme. <laughs> yeah, that's the other ones. Yeah, God's really into those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's the sister, who's the prophet, she gets messages from God saying that the father is being unfaithful to the mother, which I think, you know, it's kind of a, it's pretty rich, basically, because, you know, the Virgin Mary formed an entire religion because she didn't want to tell her husband that she was cheating on him. You know, That's if you right. think about it. Yeah. So it's pretty rich that they're like, oh, well, the father's being unfaithful and God's telling me about this. Come on. Anyway. After the almighty allegation of adultery, a claim which was vehemently denied by the man, he said this never happened, he was forbidden from sleeping in his bed with his wife and was told to sleep on a couch in the kitchen where he was isolated behind a curtain. Mm. This is in, in the man's own home. At least they gave him a curtain. You know? <laughs> yeah, but these, your three daughters are mm. telling you you can't sleep in bed with your wife in your bed and now you got to sleep in a couch in the kitchen. And that, I haven't figured it out yet, but this is kind of like King Lear, a little bit. You know? mm, I guess it is kind of. I haven't, I haven't read it since high school, so I don't remember it that well, but it's King Lear. Was he being abused by his three daughters? Sure. And forced to sleep so. in a couch? In yes. <laughs> well, so this. Yeah. Prosecutor said as soon as he moved into the, the, the couch in the kitchen... That's when the physical and emotional abuse began. And over a period of 17 years, he was emotionally abused and repeatedly beaten by the women in the house, sometimes just being attacked in the middle of the night. So for 15 or 17 years, he could get up every night after he got beaten and then have to run and sleep in his car. Yeah, so it got so bad that he was like, he would actually wear his clothes at night because he knew he was going to be woke up in the middle of the night with a beating by these women. 
Dude, seven, 17 years. So think about this. The women, the women now are 41, 31, 23. That means the youngest daughter was six years old 17 years ago. And the middle wow. daughter was 14, and the oldest one was 24. The prophet was 24. You're telling me that this man, who would have been like in his 50s, didn't, could just beat the shit out of all three of them? I, I don't know. Well, really he also could have just like left. You know? he, he could also have left. Mm. But even then, I would have been like, this is my house. You can get the fuck out. All three of you. And then I'd take did off you just the belt. Say, did you just say house with a lisp? Um, probably. I don't know. Okay. Drink you a little bit this of beer. My house. No, did you, did, did you ever listen to uh, mm. Eddie Murphy's dad doing in The Comedian mm. when he's wasted? This is my house. You yeah. can get the fuck out. You don't remember that? Vaguely. Keep up with me here. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, so uh, I, I just, the guy's the epitome of soy boy beta cock. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think there's, there's something kind of, as someone who's in a, an abusive relationship, it has an appeal. There is an appeal to it. Dude, do you think you could withstand 17 years of abuse by your three daughters sleeping on a couch in the kitchen? That's a lot of stuff I have to imagine that I can't, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't that's know. That's a lot. That's a lot. I wouldn't even lasted no. like, like, I don't know, one punch from them. I would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. But anyway, the, th- the three children lived in the home. The three daughters who were defendants. They routinely, emotionally, physically, and mentally made his life a living hell. He was terrorized by his wife and the three girls since 2002. But the abuse reached a climax on September 9th, 2017. When the victim was accused by his wife of, quote, defiling her name online to a friend. <laughs> I guess he took his wife's name in vain online to a friend. Oh, oh my. Defiling mm. my name. Mm. Um, and so the four women surrounded their father and her husband, and he was ordered to give them money, basically to recompense for defiling the name. Well, he, I mean, she is the queen of God. She's the which, queen of God, which, yeah. Which I think is all. I think is a spinoff of the King of Queens. <laughs> Pretty sure. See, the guy from the King of Queens wouldn't have taken this type of. No, malarkey. he wouldn't. No he way. Would have been like, ah, oh, and sat down in a chair, and then everyone would have laughed. And they would have been able funny. to move him. Yeah. It's like, look at—he's fat, and he sat down in a chair. Although I think this—if you would have filmed this with a laugh mm. track, it would have been kind of funny. Oh, it'd be great. I, I mean, it's Shakespeare. Yeah. You it's love Shakespearean. it. Everybody when he it. didn't comply with their demands for money, the youngest sister, Annabelle, choked him from behind, like full on put him in like a sleeper hold and just took $1,100 cash from his pocket. <laughs> Who has $1,100 cash in their pocket? <laughs> and it gets choked out by a, what? Yeah. A, how old is she? She's like 21. Oh God, I thought she was six. That's what I was imagining. <laughs> no, this happened in 2017. Yeah. But if she was, well, when she was six, she was beating on him too. Mm. Um. The woman then began to, to kick and punch the man who fell on the ground, and they stomped him. Even though he was pleading for help, he received none. Hmm. He then managed to crawl outside to his pickup truck <laughs> and drove himself to the hospital, where he was treated for a fractured rib and a bruised spleen. Hmm. He then, and, and this is just the, this is like the, know, the, the coup de grace here. He called home to ask permission to return. But was told by the women that he could not enter the home during daylight hours. And if he did, they would break every bone in his body. Damn. 
asked permission mm. to go into his own home. Mm. I mean, maybe that's some kind of submissive type of thing going on here and that he's into it. But I would have burned the whole fucking house down. I don't even give a shit. Mm. I would have killed them witches. Like, it's, it's insane to me. Maybe not. Maybe it's just like systematic abuse or something, you know? I think in, the, in that situation, you just get your shit when they're not there and you just move to another state in your pickup truck. After 17 years, I would have burned the house down. I don't mm. care. Uh, mm. The abuse continued until a friend of the victim contacted police to, to ask them to do a uh, welfare check on the guy. I have a friend. <laughs> I don't know why his friend wasn't like, you know what, dude? Yeah. You got to grow a sack, okay? Yeah. And you, the girl is six years old and she's beating on you. Just punch her in the face. You like can't a, punch a six-year-old in the face, dude. I, dude, I don't even care. Were they, these three? This, this, these, these den, this is a witch's den is what's happening here. Look, if you want to die on this hill... <laughs> you know <laughs> alright maybe not Be punch a six year old in the face okay. but by the time they were beating on him she was 23 what about then you just leave I guess I don't know uh, the three sisters were found guilty of second degree assault um, Annabelle Pe- Pietro Carlo the uh, prophet was found guilty of petite larceny or no she's the youngest one she was found guilty of petite larceny and will serve an additional six months however the man's wife the queen of God was acquitted Hmm. Um, District attorney here, John Flynn, says this is one of the most horrific cases of abuse that has been prosecuted by my office. For years, these women emotionally, financially, and physically abused their own father. It was his wife. It was his children. There was an emotional bond there. He was just in a situation he couldn't get out of, so he succumbed to the horror. Dude, just fucking leave. You got a car. After the Queen of God got uh, acquitted, reporters... Um, sought a comment from God and he was like, I'll never tell. <laughs> so. But dude, dude, the guy's got $1,100 in his pocket and a car mm. that he has to sleep yeah. in when he's getting beat up. That's all you need in this country, you know? Just That's, leave. All you need is uh, one suit. Yeah. If you have one good suit, you could change into a suit and you could be like, I'm going to sell my new, you know, uh, rheumatism tonic and just go around the country doing it and you, you're all of a sudden you're a rich man again. <laughs> Mm. Um, CBD, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Flynn says, here we have an elderly man who's been subjected to this since he's been in his late 50s. He is unable, for whatever reason, to get out of this situation. I commend him for having the strength to come forward about the abuse he endured at the hands of his own children. You know, me, personally, I denounce him for being a soy boy beta cuck. That's the problem. That's the problem with this. Uh, the victim was granted an order of protection against the women. I don't know. That is a problem. I don't know if that's the problem. <laughs> okay, but, no, okay. there's many problems okay. going on here, but that's my problem with this guy. Okay. Um, the victim was granted an order of protection against the women that will remain in effect until 2024. But after that, he's They're gonna done. They're going to beat his fucking he's skull done. in. <laughs> Every, Curb what, stomped. So wait, where is he living? Is he back in the house? Do they kick the bitches out of the house? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Does the wife get the house? Shouldn't he get the house? Um, I don't. I don't look. I don't know. You know. I don't know how these things work. Well, you know. I don't know. I'm. I'm sure he was just like you guys can have the house and here's some more money. You know, buy a new recliner. Anyway. Hmm. God, this, that that article pissed me off. What do you have here for the second story? Doomsday preppers arrested. 
After allegedly holding two victims captive and physically, sexually abusing them. I think I got one word out of that. <laughs> but then again, I could say that for every Michael McDonald song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be my favorite out of all the songs. Um, you'll have to hear the story all to right. understand the headline. Uh, the two females who's okay all right i'm just gonna read the headline <laughs> for people that didn't get it so people don't call in <laughs> and they're not everybody all right doomsday preppers arrested after allegedly holding two victims captive sexually and physically abusing them okay all right you happy preppers That's you sons of bitches okay the two females whose ages were not released told wakula county's authorities uh that Mirko seska and Regina Seska didn't allow them to go anywhere or have any friends and punish them if they didn't smile in public. You know, Mirko is a pretty badass name. Mm. I like it. It's close to Merkin, but Mirko. Mirko Seska. Mirko Seska. That sounds pretty cool. That just that sounds like a guy you got to kill in Grand Theft Auto. Or something, <laughs> it, you know? it does. It sounds mm. like some Czech guy that you got to yeah. kill in Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Uh, two doomsday preppers are behind bars in Florida after authorities say they held two females against their will, sexually and physically abusing them for years. Okay. If, if you're a doomsday prepper, like what classifies mm. you as a doomsday prepper? Do you have to have like a shelter that makes you a prepper? They have massive caches of food and weapons oh, in multiple okay. properties. So there you go. Well, I could also say that's a cult leader. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, there's some overlap there. So Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh-huh. So uh, they arrested uh, Mirko Seska, 58, and Regina Seska, 55, at their Crawfordville home after two females told authorities they'd escaped from the couple's farm where they were being held. Uh, the victims described the couple as doomsday preppers who had getaway properties located throughout the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, do they own these properties or are they just like friends' homes that they crash in? Other they, doomsday preppers. They had them, so I'm assuming that means they owned them. Um, and a massive cache of food and weapons. You know, we ridiculed these people, but at mm. the same time, wouldn't you want to be friends with them during a Nazi apocalypse or something or a zombie yes. apocalypse? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like and a Nazi zombie apocalypse. Nazi zombies. Yeah. That's something like yeah. dead snow. Like in that kind mm. of situation, it's good to have these insane yeah. friends like these, these, mm -hmm. these full on doomsday nutters. Yeah, but they have like, you know, slaves on their plantation. You know. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of See, weird. But, but that's the thing. These in are the, the people who are waiting for that like shift in the social, you know, uh, order. That would happen mm. with like a, a nuclear holocaust or a zombie apocalypse or something. They want that to happen. So they could be like, I'm the governor now. Oh, yeah. You know? Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the victims whose ages were not disclosed were described as being under the custodial responsibility of the Seskas. They said they were forced to work as farm labor on the property beginning their day at 530 a.m., Okay, so this is kind of vague on purpose for some reason because they're trying to, but it sounds like they were like foster kids or something, you know? How, how would they like, what foster home would be like, you know what, let's put you with the uh, doomsday people here. 
that are prepping Dude, for the world's end. You there's know, a whole could, business of people who just take in foster kids because the government gives them money and then they don't feed the foster. It's a whole thing. Yeah, but isn't there the a foster process? I mean, I was in foster care. It's they don't no, barely. There's they don't just give no vetting. They're they like, don't okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you have a car and a home here. Take a kid. Yeah, that's it. Yep. And then the government gives you money. You know, that's why they got like, I got 12 foster kids. <laughs> One of them lives in the TV, you know? Yeah. Like, they're just like, hey. uh, the female stated that they had been trained to raise pigs, raise sheep, grow various fruits and vegetables, shear sheep, utilize a loom, a loom. Were they and Amish? So. <laughs> I just don't get it. Why? why I don't do think that? they have the Amish in Florida. Oh yeah, you know, that's true. yeah. <laughs> they don't have no Amish in Florida, English. Who are the uh, who, who are the ones that uh, that are Amish but yet they have microwaves? Mennonites. Mennonites. Yeah, maybe yeah. they're in Florida. Okay, they might be. Um, yeah. The the f- two females also told authorities they were forbidden from having any friends, didn't have a cell phone, and were not allowed to agree, talk, or shake hands with anyone in public. You couldn't agree. No, you couldn't agree. <laughs> so are you just like a, you could be a contrarian. That's fine. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. don't agree. Don't shake your head and concur. Yeah. You Do you like Game of Thrones? No. No. <laughs> no it's you don't like Game of Thrones? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. When they were in public, the two were instructed to smile and would be punished either with beatings, verbal abuse, or have food taken away if they failed to smile. See, it's at that point that you write yourself a little note and kind of drop it on the cashier's, you know, counter next right. to the cash register. Help me. Yeah. Or, you know, you write a song because you're R. Kelly. Annie you know? DeFranco. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> she, wasn't she a doomsday prepper? Or am I just I, imagining? I, this? I I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> oh, she you know looks like weird one. weird side story. Did you know that um, uh, Martin Luther King and Joan Baez were fucking? What? Yeah. How did you find this? Somebody out? showed me. Somebody showed me a video. A you video know, of he, them he, fucking? No. Oh, no. I was about to say that's know, a sex tape yeah. I'd like to see. Yeah, he. You know, he, he liked to fuck. <laughs> Whatever. But um, <laughs> there's like this video. There's this video of like uh, some like really minor like demonstration in San Francisco with like 30 people. It's like outside of some factory or something run by Joan Baez and Martin Luther King shows up and it's like the news people that are there are like start immediately go over to him and they're like, what the fuck are you doing here? This is like nothing. It doesn't have anything to do with anything you've ever done. And it's the only time I've ever seen him not be eloquent. And it's like, oh, this is a guy who just showed up to fuck his fucking side chick, you know? Maybe he's a big Diamonds and Rust fan. He might be, you know? <laughs> uh, he, he was kind of a lecherous old goat, though, that guy. He was, yeah. 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 That's funny. Um, there you go. Did Bob Dylan so. know about this? <laughs> oh, man! Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so now I lost my fucking spot in the story. I got sidetracked by your Ani DeFranco. It's your fault. <laughs> I swear she's a doomsday prepper. Yeah. The most... <laughs> and 
and she's playing the bass while she's doing it. Mm-hmm. The most recent beating was reportedly done by Mirko Seska with a metal rod. Ooh. And by the way, there's for no reason there's an ellipses after done <laughs> and before by. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like a dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Authority said, <laughs> noting that the victim still had signs of bruising on her back and arm. Hmm. Both victims also told deputies they were forced into sex acts, sometimes with the encouragement of Regina Seska. Ah, well, you see, that's another thing with these doomsday preppers. They're mm. getting ready to repopulate the earth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, I'm just saying it's par for the course. I don't condone it, but it's, it's part of what they do. Okay. <laughs> just, I mean, that's the thing. They're incredibly yeah. resourceful people mm-hmm. in the time of an apocalypse. Not in right. the time of apocalypse, they're whacked out. Nutters. Yeah, because, I mean, if the apocalypse happened and it was just like, you know, you and me were traveling across the blasted landscape and you were like, oh, Harrison, I need you to cheer these sheep. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I don't know how to do that. I've, you know, I've had you this know? conversation with my girlfriend before. Yeah. And, and she was just like, well, I do love you, but in a, you know, a, a zombie apocalypse or something, I'd have to go find a stronger, you know, man that knows how to like start an engine or something or jump right. start a car. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, I think we both would be rather useless unless they needed some kind of, you didn't say that D you just, didn't you just no. go sleep in your pickup truck? <laughs> I slept in the couch in the kitchen. In the kitchen, <laughs> behind a curtain. I just curled up behind the curtain and cried. Myself <laughs> to sleep. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So um, they did a search on the property. They found large quantities of food rations, survivalist items, and mm. dozens of high-quality firearms, some mm. of which were hidden behind false walls or a staircase. See, these people know how to build false walls. These people, you know. No, they know what they're doing. They're doing Do, do you ever see the movie You're Next? No. That horror movie? Mm. That's a good movie mm. about these type of people. Mm. I recommend mm. it. Go check it out. It's a horror movie, but it's like it's a good one about these type of people. Investigators also allegedly recovered a homemade video capturing Mirko Seska with his face very close to the two victims screaming at them because he believed they had stolen food. God, these are like the worst foster parents ever. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, neighbor Brian Chatham. By the way, worst neighbor ever. You know? They have a neighbor that didn't yeah. even call the cops they and have... say, hey, you know, maybe you want to do a welfare check because these two yeah. girls are being abused in this doomsday prepper household. I, I have a feeling this neighbor is like Wilson from Home Improvement. <laughs> the and the guy... Yeah, and the guy and the guy's just like comes to him for advice over the fence, like, <laughs> "How do you think I should uh, work these girls to death after uh, after the the CIA destroys the moon ho- hologram?" You know, <laughs> he's like just yeah. beat him with an iron rod. Yeah, okay, all right, that's good. Idea. Well, uh, yeah, the neighbor told t- the reporter TV station. And the family was standoffish. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> They're building a fucking yeah. apocalypse stronghold yeah. next door to you. By the way, standoffish is coming this fall to ABC. So, oh, that's yeah. Good. William H. Macy, is he in that? Uh-huh. 
No, yeah. So uh, Brian Chatham said he rarely saw Regina Seska or the victims, who he described as the couple's daughters. Mm-hmm. Now, that was kind of the one thing that caught me that was strange to me. I didn't even know they had kids. I, I thought they lived there by themselves. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Fucker. You know, uh, they're, they're the type of family, though, that like one of the girls would have a miscarriage and everyone would have to hold it and like have a ceremony. Like that's what that's the type of that's the type of insanity that's going on here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Mirko Seska has been charged with sexual battery, sexual assault, abuse, neglect. There you go. And then also his wife's charged with some shit. And they're in the county jail. Ba-na-na-na. What about the two girls? They like put into a, a foster home where they're actually allowed to watch Friends and eat Oreos <laughs> without getting beaten. I hope so. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is, and if you watch your next, you're going to realize that that if you are put into a situation where there's maniacs and you have this kind type of experience and background, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you and I. You know, if we're putting like a house of horror, we're probably going to be the first ones killed. Right. You know, like I'm, I'm good. Next month, I'm going to a bachelor party mm-hmm. and like this campground, like way out in rural Colorado. And, you oh. know, if, if there's going to be like a, a murderer or like some kind of sadistic, you know, a crazy person that breaks out of an insane asylum to kill people, you know, I'm the first one dead. See, I disagree with you there because I think, think, you think, I I think one thing you and I have in common is that we're survivors because the universe wants us to suffer. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. So that's a good point. You will survive it. And just have to have this additional yeah. trauma added but on you'll to be my like other mi- collection yeah. of trauma. And you'll be like missing a foot or something. <laughs> Wonderful. Looking yeah. forward to that. Maybe I'll get a hook for a hand. Yeah. Uh, people, send your story. Sticker on podcast, gmail.com. We have phone calls coming up next. You can call the sticker on hotline. At 323-522-4032. Just keep it under three minutes. We'll get it on the show here. Also, you can, you know, a lot of these uh, English folk that listen to the show have been sending in um, MP3s. And we appreciate that. That will also, That's another effective way to get your voice heard on Sick and Wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to our phone calls, though, here's a, a word from Adam and Eve. Spice to your sex life? Go to adamandeve.com. You'll get 50% off your purchase, free shipping, two adult DVDs, and a product so sensual, we can't even mention it on this podcast. No, no. Just type the coupon code DIDDLE upon checkout. So we got a few phone calls to get to. People can call the Sticker on Hotline at 323-522-4032. Uh, the first call is from a very talented individual who uh, wrote a beautiful theme song here for the show. So see, see if you can recognize this melody. Mm-hmm. 
Make me laugh all day long. It's hosted by some Jews. They drink a lot of booze. They talk about the news. And ain't no fisting, oh Harrison. Oh, he'll tickle your feet with a bed. While you're tied up in bondage leather. Defy makes the host of the podcast. And he's a total fucking jackass. Very moving. Yeah. Very moving. Um, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, some flattered. Some, some effort in there, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. You, you can't say we don't have a creative audience, because we mm. do. We do. You like, know what's interesting, though? Let me tell you something. Let me mm. tell you all something here. I was thinking about this the other day, and I started kind of looking through my old, all my old shit, you know? And when the, I don't even remember, it was like years ago, the feathered thing, some of you called in with the feather thing, right? Yeah, I don't know how and that then started. As It was like some random call, you know? And then it was, um, it, it annoyed me, so then people kept calling in and saying it. And then it was like, as it just became a thing, I think people started to think it was like an act real, you we, know? It was something and, that you really did? Yeah, because it's like people no. just kept saying it over and over. And then if you say something enough, it becomes true as far as people know, right? And if you look, if, if I were to make a graph to you of like the amount of like random DMs I got, I get, I got from women over the years, it has gone down considerably. And you think and, it's and I attribute it, yeah, the, it taking its own life, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm, I can say absolutely saying it, and it's, 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 a, it's cock blocking, and and b and 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 b, you know, uh, me getting these messages distracts me from my suicidal ideation, and now I get less. So it's like, thanks, Wait, so guys. You think there's a causal relationship? I absolutely the of DMs do. Yes, and this feather talk on here yeah. on the podcast. Because nobody likes a fucking idiot who likes tickling. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know. I, I feel like that's worse than being a than having a cannibalism. <laughs> like, I honestly yeah, do. But, I honestly think it's worse but, than having a cannibalism fetish. You know, Gilberto Valle wouldn't have been in prison for fucking 21 months if he was writing about tickling his wife with other weirdos on the internet. Still. Still, man. You know? <laughs> I thought women are into that. Aren't they into, like, like the light bondage stuff? Yeah, but t no, tickling is for fucking... I don't even know. I don't even know what kind of fucking people are into that, but you know. I, I don't know. I hate it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was that was a very talented uh, little theme song there. <laughs> was it? Was he just playing the song in the background? Like he, uh, no, like, he found probably the like karaoke version on YouTube or something. Yeah. Uh, well. All right, well, thank you for that there. Thank you. Anonymous yeah. guy. All right, next call we have here is from a woman who has a question for us, Harrison. I'm very interested to hear your response to this. Great. She's got a very sexy voice, this girl. Let me just warn you in advance. I think she, I think she is going to play a starring role in your masturbation theater tonight. This is my prediction. <laughs> masturbation <laughs> Hi, theater. Hi, Dan Harrison. Um, I have a question for you guys. Um, so if for the second time in my life oh my god i made a guy come and he didn't ejaculate it was dry 
which is kind of strange. Um, Are you into this? Her voice is like a fine scotch. Like, <laughs> like, know, it's, like it it's peaty, it's a little smoky, but not too much, you know? It's like, it's like fucking Lagavulin, whatever the fuck that shit is. It's good, you know? Lafroid. Lafroid. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. With some accents in England, there's some regional accents that I just, I can't even stand listening to. And if a girl has that accent, I'm just, uh, there's also a lot of American accents I can't stand listening to. Mm. Whatever accent she has, I find very arousing. Yeah, like yeah, it. but well, she also, I don't even, it's not even the accent, it's just she has this kind of smoky kind of, mm, you yeah. know? Yeah. Okay. Have you guys ever heard of this or experienced it? Um, th the first time it happened was about three years ago, and the, the second time tonight. Um, so either my mouth's just real good, or I'm a sex witch. I haven't decided yet. Um, <laughs> sex witch. It's my first time calling. It probably won't be the last. Sex um, witch! I really like you guys. I really like your show. Um, I think you're both quite fit. But I have quite bad daddy issues. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, Shit! I'm probably not your core demographic. <laughs> um, but What is our core demographic? I don't even know. We don't have a core demographic. That's why we're not my favorite murder. Yeah. Because we don't have a core demographic. That's true. Okay, well, okay, there's a lot of reasons why we're not my favorite murder. But one of them is we don't have a core demographic. It's just I, a bunch of fucking... Just miscreants. Yeah, Ladies. a bunch of miscreants. All yeah. sorts, all over the place. All of the outliers... Outsiders, and, and, and that's the thing know? too. There's no like Outcasts. specific age group. I mean, we have like 14 yeah. year olds that listen to the show. We have like mm. 48 year olds that listen to the show. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have a core demographic. I think if no. we did, like if we we're really, really hip amongst millennials, mm. I think we'd be a lot more mm. successful. <laughs> but do we want? But it's that? like what? <laughs> I don't like the people who like listen to our show because they like found us on Twitch or something. <laughs> I don't know what they do like when we're talking about Three's company for like ten minutes straight. <laughs> like, what do they even do? I don't know. Fantasize about cooking their wives. Yeah. As in, I'm a six foot tall mixed race lady from England. Jesus um, Christ, with a woman! Head. But with a shaved head. Oh. Are you man. so? How into this are you right now? <laughs> She's six foot tall, mixed race, shaved head. Oh my god. The thing she would do to you. <laughs> she would be like, get on the fucking couch right now in the mm. kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and give me eleven hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Actually if 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 she said that to me, I would do it too, because I'd be scared. <laughs> you know, we can't all be bad smelling guys who live in basements. <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. You know, I wish we had that demographic. That's Joe Rogan's demographic. Yeah, the, <laughs> you know, and he's very we're trying successful. To, yeah, that's that's like our you know Jay Z aspirational <laughs> yeah, demographic. We aspire there, you know? for that. There. Yeah, yeah, we aspire for that. Um, I usually charge people if I'm going to be that mean to them. Uh, Wait, what? So yeah, uh, have what? you ever? <laughs> D, what? Had what did she just say? She says she charges people if she's going to be that mean to them. Okay. Yeah. Dry orgasm or heard of it before? That's my question. Uh, keep it sick and keep it wrong. There you go, mm. Harrison. What do you think? Mm. Have you ever had a dry orgasm? I have, but 
you know, it's usually like after I've already come like three times, you know? I've I've never just I guess I've had what I've It's like thought. sawdust comes out. <laughs> just you like know? a poof of air or something. Yeah. I you know I think the guy might have faked it. Hmm. I think that because that that happens. Some, some men do fake orgasms, but I mean, I, there's a certain kind of movement that happens. That I think I don't think you can actually fake. I mean, I guess I guess it depends on the sensitivity of things, but I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I guess it, yeah, I guess mm. it depends on uh, mm. on how sensitive you are down there. But I mean, mm. I don't know. At least the first time. I, I the the first like right when we're having the first round of sex and believe right. me I I rarely ever have two mm. at mm. this point uh, but the first round of sex I'm not gonna have a dry orgasm yeah I don't think that's ever happened um, I mean I, I guess I, like I've heard there are like medications that can do that and like I mean it's possible that like right before that happened he jerked off like four times and then she showed up. You I know, mean, it would be kind of nice that, if I could do that because it lessen the mess. That like I feel like Charles Manson could do that. He had that kind of thing. Dry orgasm. That just priapism, just constantly. Um, but get uh, hard at will. Yeah, like there's a certain there's certain medications that can cause that. Also, he might have like prostate or testicular cancer, so <laughs> he may want to get checked with his doctor. <laughs> so what you mean? He's just not. It's not even shooting blanks. He's just not shooting. Yeah, I mean, it could just be like a testosterone deficiency or something, but it's like that is also often a symptom of like some serious problem. Hmm. So, I mean, I can understand if you have like blood in your semen or something, I'd definitely be concerned. But if you're just like having an orgasm and not shooting anything out, Hmm. I'd go see a urologist. You definitely, definitely go see, you know. But I guess my question to, um, Hmm. I forget her name. I think it's like Vicky or something, Victoria. She emailed this in. Um, but my question to you is, is this the first time you had sex with this guy? Hmm. Like, or is this the same guy is that she, dry orgasm before? Yeah, I, yeah, I believe so. Oh, I thought this was a hmm. different guy that she experienced a dry orgasm with. Oh, I don't know. I wasn't, I was a little distracted just <laughs> listening to the, like, the music of the voice and the smokiness. Because if, if it's like a guy you've only had sex with like once and he dry orgasm like this, I would be like, you're faking it, dude. But if it's like someone you've had sex with, you know, regularly yeah. and he's I wasn't had faking ones. it for the last time, D. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, if she's had yeah. sex with this guy like multiple times and this happened, you know, once I would be like, all right, that's that's a little weird. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to find out about that. I, I wonder, like, how she knew. You know what I mean? Because, like, I guess it's just like, oh, there's not a ton of spooge <laughs> dripping out of my vagina. You think like she might just like, I don't know, if she just thinks in the moment, she'd just be like, oh, sweet. There's not a ton of spooge yeah, you'd think that's a, oozing a out of my vagina. Cool. Let's go have a snack. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not yet. I, exactly. I guess maybe he maybe if he tried to not come on her back or whatever. Let's go you eat know? some Smarties. Yeah. You know, it's like, because, <laughs> uh, um, I mean, that's the thing. It's messy. But their yeah, Smarties are different than our Smarties. They their are, Smarties are fucking bullshit. What, what about the Yorkie bar that's only for boys? Huh? Have you ever seen that thing? It's like no. a Yorkie bar, and it's only for boys. 
Huh. Yeah, it's like some kind of weird British candy. I don't know what happens to girls if they eat it. I don't know if they grow a, a phallus or something. I'm not sure. It's probably some boarding school <laughs> shit or something, you know? But anyway. That involves paddling I, somehow. I wonder, yeah. like, was this also, she said she, like, you know, takes money to cause pain, inflict pain. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if this was like an orgasm under duress. I have a feeling no. Yeah. Because she said that's why she said that, you know? Hmm. She said she wasn't doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of questions there. Yeah, I don't Mm. think, uh, I mean, I would love to have a dry Mm. orgasm. I think it would lessen the mess. I think that'd be great. And especially if it's not, it doesn't feel good. I can tell you that much. But you don't have to worry about birth control. Don't have to wear condom. Mm. Well, maybe. You were concerned about STDs, but. There's also a possibility that his sperm duct is blocked. Um by a serious cancer <laughs> so that's a, that's a possibility too that the sperm duct is blocked yeah. by a cancerous tumor so She's maybe gonna go back to that guy and be like all right buddy it doesn't look good for you all right you know i think we did a whole show like years ago on on, on sacred wrong about men faking orgasms but i don't even know how you would do it and women do it all the time hmm. we had women are trained to do it i want to like, say i've done it You've you faked an orgasm? I feel like I have. Yes, <laughs> what, I, I no, how? I have. I have. I absolutely have. Where, did you? Were you wearing a condom? Probably, because I usually do. But um, I it was wearing a condom. I may have been like on Adderall. Who the fuck knows? Did you, you get know, some like I, Jergens hand lotion? Just throw it on her face real quick and be like, oh, okay, I'm all done. No, I think I just you know pretended and i had a i probably had a condom on so it's like what you know just do a little sleight of hand because it was just like it was just like it never stopped and i'm like jesus christ i'm never gonna come you know (laughs) it's been all this time it's like you know i i I just want to go to sleep i gotta wake up to the whole thing you know so you're like i gotta get back to playing metal gear solid come on I just think I would be too fake with it. I'd be too like hist- histrionic or something. I'd be like, yeah. you know, and, like, I would just, you know, be like a real orgasm. And she'd be like, come on, come on. I know you're faking. Then we'd never have sex again. Mm. Um, what did you say to him after he dry orgasm? That's what I wanted to know. Were you just like, where is it? Like, where's the yeah. stuff? Come on. You're supposed to make some stuff. Where's the beef? Yeah, where's the beef? Who knows? Mm-hmm. All right, anyway, uh, thank you for that. Um, final call here is from that guy, you know, the weird Arab dude that we're still coming up with names. We're throwing names out there. I just taken to calling him the WAD. You know, it's an acronym. Weird Arab dude, like like John Holmes, like Johnny the WAD. He's just the WAD to me. I had a name for him. I yeah, I can't what it remember was, so. what it was. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I remember anyway, it was better than yours, but I forget what it was. So. Let's just call him WAD for now. So WAD called in with another story about his father, which uh, I do appreciate hearing about. So here it is, part one. Uh, hello, this is the uh, Arab dude again. Uh, so I, I just called with another fake sister story. Uh, Dee said he'd like to hear more about my dad. So uh, uh, let's see, I'll, I'll touch more on uh, how he was a sexual deviant. And I'll also tell some stories that uh, my mother told me about him and these are also stories that he told me when he was drunk, so I don't know if all these are true. Daddy drank. 
He's got that. that. That's kind of funny that the dad just gets wasted in front of the son's like, son, sit down. I'm going to teach you about life. Did your dad do that? My dad wasn't really a drinker. Um, I kind of wish he was. It might have not made him such a fucking prick. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. But I feel like every dad does that. Most dads do that, right? My, my dad drunk never and drank. Like, hey, uh, you know. I well, mean, he's, a Jew. he's a Jew. Yeah, I mean, we, we had like two bottles yeah. of Manischewitz in the house. That was yeah, about yeah. it. We never had anything else, unfortunately. Anyway. The worst funerals you'll ever go to oh, are God, Jewish the funerals. Worst. Uh-huh. They really are. Mm. It's like other than the locks and bagels you'll have, because mm. you get to eat some locks and bagels, it's just the most boring funeral mm-hmm. you'll ever endure. Bullshit. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, about him being a sexual deviant, uh, so uh, obviously there was the, uh, the, the kids that um, I already mentioned to you. Uh, the last two children he had that I know about, knew about, was with a uh, fat woman who was only about five years older than me. Uh, I was 14, and uh, this, this fat piece of fucking garbage was about 19. And I remember she actually used to call the house and uh, talk shit to my mom. And, you know, I'd be 14, getting on the phone, like, all right, fuck you, you fucking fat bitch. You know, and uh, he had about two kids with her. Uh, Jesus, she was like 19 years old, and he had two kids. What amazes me is how flagrant this guy was. Like, didn't even give a shit. Yeah, and, man, you know he this liked dude. It raw, I don't know, but this you know. dude would not have stood for his daughter's kicking his ass for seventeen years. <laughs> There's no way he would. He would have left. Uh, one girl, one boy. Uh, the boy was actually given a Muslim name, uh, a really common one, which I, I found that really funny. Uh, named after the prophet himself. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, Why don't you just say the fucking name? Yeah, I know. Obvious. Well, yeah. He went, he went I, 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 I thought you couldn't draw him or make a statue of him. I didn't know you couldn't say his name. I think you can say his name, can't you? Yeah. On a podcast? I don't know. Yeah. This guy can't. I mean, apparently. you can't with, uh, aren't you not supposed to say the name of God? Like, you can't say like the 72 character name of God. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's a lot of characters. It's yeah, the the yeah. You're not supposed to say that, but you could say like fucking Adnai or yeah, Adnai or, Yo, or Jehovah or whatever. Yeah, Hashem. But when the, you know, like real Jews, when they write it though, they write G dash yeah. D. Right. Yeah. Hashem. I was. I had. Re- I had heard about this in passing a few times. I don't know how true it is. But supposedly there's two more in Washington D.C. I never really got a lot of details on them. And I, I don't know if this is bullshit or not, but I was just recently told that their names are Tom and Jerry. <laughs> I don't know if this is true. <laughs> Why would he name one kid Muhammad and then have two other legitimate kids be like, I don't know, I always thought Tom and Jerry was funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got Heckle and Jekyll over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing like an Italian voice, but this guy was like a Palestinian, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds fucking retarded. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like bullshit. But this is just what I was told. Now, uh, uh, more about him being a deviant. Uh, let's see. Uh, my mom once told me a story about uh, catching him uh, masturbating in front of an open window with a broomstick up his ass. Uh, I was also. It's also known as the Harrison technique. Yeah. <laughs> Told yeah, I'm doing. I'm about, doing a uh, master class about it on YouTube. 
That's right. <laughs> and sign up for it. Mm-hmm. There was a, uh, a black... Tra- Patreon members get a 5% discount, just to let mm-hmm. you know. Transvestite prostitute who uh, went by the name Indian uh, that was going around telling everybody that my dad was his man. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, that's happened no to me like three uh, times. Uh, All right. So <laughs> whatever. That's, I'm not impressed, guys. Come on. <laughs> Came to the convenience store. He loved to flirt with the customers, especially the ugly ones, you know, show them attention that they normally wouldn't get. Uh, there was a woman with a, she had, she was a grown woman, but she had legs the size of a five-year-old. And I distinctly remember him whispering into her ear. I don't know what he said, but I remember her response was, no, you can't, Tom. <laughs> Wait, she was a grown woman with legs the size of a five-year-old. <laughs> and he was yeah. said, this guy's the horniest man. Could you imagine having this level of a libido? I can't. No, I, I can't even fathom it because it's like, I don't even... I mean, I'm sure I like to have sex just as much as anyone else does. But this guy would fuck anything. I don't even get it. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, he calls back with a part two. I'm hoping he goes into more detail about the woman who was growing with five-year-old legs. Hello, it's uh, the Arab again. So uh, uh, my father also had a very bad hygiene. Um, you know, he, he always had B.O. I, I distinctly remember he almost had this strong onion smell that would emit from his armpits. Uh, his teeth were brown. Uh, there, 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 were, there was actually like a, this big gap of like four teeth missing on like I think the right side of his mouth. Uh, <laughs> his father's like the Palestinian Bukowski. Yeah. Other than I guess he doesn't write. Mm. But well, maybe he did. <laughs> I don't know. But he like, you know how like Bukowski just fucked anything? Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and I read like in high school, I read I think the book w- Women. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, dude. This guy got so much ass. It's amazing. And I think I saw a documentary when I was like in college on him. And if you look at the women, what these women look like that he was having sex with, you'd be like, holy shit. Yeah, it's not great. No, it's not great at all. No. Um, But that's the thing when you have like a, you know, a non-discriminating libido. And of course, you know, he would smoke three packs of Salem's a day, drink beer all day. So his breath was just foul like my mom my mother wouldn't would not kiss him on the mouth it's a particular type of creature who likes <laughs> fucking salem's you know salem's i don't even know like if that's a weird one. like that's a weird that's a niche fucking brand man can you even get salem's here i don't know i i, I haven't seen them i feel like i haven't seen them god i wonder why he smokes salem's sweet god and yeah. uh let's see, see what else what else uh there was one time when he was drunk where uh, he described in a vivid detail how, uh, you know, certain people overseas, because, you know, it's, it's a Muslim country, you can't just go get a piece of, you can't just go out and get a piece of ass, how uh, certain people, uh, didn't say it was him, but I'm sure it was, uh, he described how these people would fuck donkeys. And he described to me how the process worked and everything. He was like, uh, he, he was like, yeah, you get it, you, you, you knock it down on its side. You, you you put your hand under his tail. You know, his dad sounds a lot like Cheech Marine. Doesn't yeah. he? Cheech Marin or whatever. Yes. Sounds a lot like him. I'm trying not I'm trying to like think he's not Cheech because he's Palestinian, but it's hard. 
He, he the, the voice he's doing is kind of like my Armenian voice. Yeah, that's actually it is. It, like, it hey, like you want to buy tiles? I have uh, Byzantine tiles. I do the bathroom with the Byzantine. You know, so it's kind of similar. Guy, to that. that means she wants you, but if she kick, get the fuck away. <laughs> that guy was his exact. See, word. that's too much information to know about how to fuck a mule. All right, I think like, we that's know too how much. We, I think we know how he lost his virginity here. Yeah. Yeah. Exact fucking word. Uh, he he also uh, described to me uh, committing acts of terrorism. You know, you know, Israel, Palestine. Uh, he told me that they would uh, smuggle dynamite by sticking it up a donkey's ass. <laughs> and I don't know how the hell this worked. Maybe somehow, after shoving it up the donkey's ass, it made its way into its stomach. Do you think like Hamas has a training class for that? Like, <laughs> it's like when you're like eight that's when you take like the yeah. donkey dynamite class <laughs> it's like you first you have to make sure you get a lot of vaseline and uh, although and then, honestly if i was a border guard and, and i thought people were going to be smuggling dynamite the first place i'd look is in the donkey's ass <laughs> <laughs> so, like, i don't know what, this guy's, yeah. what these people are thinking they're pulling off Jeez. but he actually described cutting the animal open to retrieve the dynamite Oh no! Uh, uh, they also he was uh, he also told me a story about being sent to this country when um, he went into a Israeli bank and they were firing off machine guns, and he said he saw his uncle in there and he was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And then he said his uncle told his mom and his uncle was like, "No, fuck this! We're getting you married. We're getting you the fuck out of here." And that's how uh, he married his first wife because she had an American citizenship. Uh, yeah, she hit the fucking lottery. <laughs> She royally hit the fucking lottery with that one. Poor, poor woman. It's no wonder she's such a bitch. <laughs> that, that must be the thing. Like, you know how, like, there was a certain point where, like, all these Russian people you met would be like, yes, my father was in KGB. He told me he wasn't, you know. Yeah. There must be the same with Palestinians. Like, they're all like, like oh, yeah. PLO. I blew and... up. A... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sure you did, buddy. You know. <laughs> Jesus. Mm. And I got, I got, I got, I got one more good one. What was this? Uh, shit. Oh, uh, my mother also once told me a story about how he came home drunk as shit with uh, blood all over the inside of the car, a bloody tire iron, a bloody license plate, and he said, I killed the motherfucker, clean it up. And she said she cleaned it up and never said shit. And uh, that time's up. Last one. Hope that was interesting. I got a couple more that I didn't get around to. Thank you. Bye. Wow. <laughs> Man, do you think he delivered the eulogy at his dad's funeral? I hope so. I would have loved to have heard that. Because, <laughs> like, usually with a eulogy, I've done a few. And it's like, when you do a eulogy, you got to tell, like, I don't know, at least three anecdotes. Mm. You know? He just fit, like, I don't know, 10 into two calls. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a that would have been a very stirring eulogy, had we. Yeah, been and it's like it's like, and then <laughs> to everyone's surprise, he realized that he was actually fucking the same donkey he had put the dynamite in, and he was like, "Oh no," you know. But it so. was too late. Yeah. God bless him. <laughs> he died as he lived, fucking yeah. a donkey. <laughs> 
not surprised that the mm-hmm. wad is in therapy well thank you there um yeah. I do, a pre- I do love your phone calls, so uh, mm. please keep calling in. And other people, please keep calling in. You know, uh, we, we have some, we, we get some fascinating phone calls. I don't, I don't think there's another podcast out there that gets calls like this. There ain't, because most podcasts don't give a fuck about you, and they won't take your phone calls, and they won't give you cocaine when you come through Los Angeles, you fuckers. Exactly, and but, that's but I will. That's probably why they're successful. Anyway, yeah. people call the signal on hotline, 323-522-4032. Uh, best way to support the show is by becoming a sick and wrong patron. Uh, just go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Uh, you get all sorts of free shit. Uh, this week, I can't even remember. what. Oh, yeah, we actually had a pretty funny story this week. A lot of people think that the best way to um, support the show is to uh, partition off a section of your kitchen with a curtain. <laughs> but no, it's to, to join the Patreon. So. And force your father to live there. Yeah. Um, no, we have, we have, we had a, you know, we talk a lot. The, the one thing about the, uh, the patron too, is that we, we're allowed to put on like outtakes and we have all this extra shit that we put up there. I mean, there's probably like mm. 300 hours of extra content. Uh, this week though, we kind of got into it talking about a, a, a little car accident that I got into today. Mm. Um, the Trump party tape with Epstein, uh, the La Bianca Murder House and the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that Harrison will definitely not see. You don't see it. It's <laughs> fucking bullshit. All right. Anyway, all that's on the Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today and you get a lot of content and and you get to support a show that you love. So we appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, finally here, Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. I'm going to have to dedicate this one uh, to Gil, our friend Gil, the cannibal cop. Um, Cannibal Corpse with a song called Vomit the Soul. It's a nice, beautiful song here. Very melodic. It's a good song for like a, a long, intense donkey sex fucking session. session. <laughs> donkey fucking, yeah. All right. Yeah. Sex with a donkey session. Mm. Vomit the Soul from the album, 1991 album, Butchered at Birth by the band Cannibal Corpse. Dedicated that one to uh, Gilberto. Uh, Valle. Thanks for being on the show there, Gil. Uh, people, we'll be back next week with episode uh, 697. Till then, take it sleazy.
sexual and the dismemberment of the bodies for you? As time went on, uh, yes, I, I did get a, there was a sexual part, part to that. Uh, I started saving the, the skeletons and preserving other parts. And uh, one thing led to another. It took, it took more and more uh, deviant type behaviors to satisfy uh, my urges. And so it just spiraled out of control.